When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it Thursdays here at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr is back in. We are loaded up today, ready to talk McKenzie Milton, ready to talk Purdue, Bob Diaco's greatest hits as Damon Barr has outdone himself, the old strain. <laughs> Coming up, Brandon Vogel in 20 minutes. His I-80 podcast, a must-listen to, and it's titled appropriately, The Grit and the Strain. Sounds like post-Thanksgiving hilarity. Uh, Not the show, the title, okay, is before Vogue hangs up on me. In one hour, Gary Barnett will be with us. Grant Wistrom, Husker legend, get his take on Husker football 2020 and uh, more from Grant around 525. The pride of Chicago is Danny Burke. Burke's best bets. We'll take a look at some college football and some NFL numbers to dial up. 466-3776-800-825-5865. Email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. And find us and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Damon Barr with two R's. So locally, this is amazing news. You have uh, Lincoln and Lancaster County Health Department announcing the following three-week postponement of youth sports and activities may resume Monday, December 7th. Thankfully. That means Junior can get off his ass and away from the video game and back to going 3 for 14 from the floor. I'm excited. Don't know how excited he is, but uh, there'll be wind sprints in his future this weekend, says the... uh, I'm not quite the Marv Moranovich of the neighborhood. Don't look that good in sweats, nor do I have a skullet. But, you know, good. Ball is going to be back. That means we'll be able to get you some high school uh, football and like we did this fall. We'll do some high school basketball, of course. So let's get to the topic du jour, and that is all-world quarterback McKenzie Milton for Central Florida. He is entering in the transfer portal. He has not played football uh, since 2018, a devastating knee injury that was gruesome, that was gross, that you felt just horrific for the young man because of how great he was and what he was able to do at Central Florida with Frost, after Frost. And it was one of those Alex Smith situations where it was almost an amputation. 
uh, because, listen, you had uh, nerve damage, you have artery issues. I mean, it, it was it was just brutal. And uh, what do you do if your Nebraska nerve and artery damage aside? Listen, there are two guys in college football that are your gold standard for the Oregon Kelly Frost Central Florida offense. That's Marcus Mariota. That is Mackenzie Milton. What do you do if you're Nebraska? Do you do anything? Do you listen? First and foremost, you're going to do the following, and Mackenzie Milton will send it to you, and that is going to be his footage and tape of how he's looked and how he's performed on the scout team. Is he able to come back 33 months later and be the same quarterback? Don't know. You've seen the journey of Alex Smith. That's our comparison, and he's been able to come back and play in the NFL. Uh, I don't want to say a shadow of what he was, but he's still playing for Washington, and he's won a game or two, I think, at a mid-30 age. McKenzie Milton is a guy that wants to play, wants to go to a team and compete, wants to find a a squad that needs a veteran quarterback, uh, a team that has uh, a, a good offensive line. So I ask you this. Is, is McKenzie Milton going to be the answer to unlock this Nebraska offense? Nebraska's offense kind of got rolling in 18, sputtered from time to time last year. It has been underwhelming this year. Is he going to be the difference? You have issues at offensive line. You have issues at wide receiver, right? You have issues at running back. And when I say issues, it's not that they're bad, but they're not – They're not the same receiving core nor production like you had with Spielman, like you had with Stan. Uh, It's not Ziggy running the football. I mean, there, there are more problems than just quarterback, but you have an issue right now at quarterback with Nebraska. You're better better tempo wise with McCaffrey, but you've got a better chance of throwing the football right now with Adrian. And it's 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 a question. We'll talk with Brandon Vogel about this, but put yourself in Scott Frost's shoes. What do you do with this opportunity? Do you pass on exploring and investigating a guy that it's not that long ago McKenzie Milton was mentioned in a press conference because Scott Frost was asked about McKenzie Milton. So I, I forget the exact question but the point of it is uh, Scott Frost is like the doors open for him to come be a coach here anytime he wants well I don't think McKenzie Milton would obviously be bad for the Nebraska football program what's that do to your other two quarterbacks what's that do to Adrian Martinez you don't have an answer right now you're you're playing quarterback merry-go-round and you're going with the field and it's gone surprisingly well not with the win loss record but both guys have managed it well both guys have handled it well him and McCaffrey and you're getting the best out of both as far as what they do well and there's been some movement at least some points offensively but you're a far cry from putting up 35 38 45 points a game you just you you've you've, you've done that a couple of times in Big 10 play right i mean you you've put up 
points against Illinois your first year here. You put up points against Illinois last year. You got beat by Illinois this year. You put up 31-ish, I think, uh, on the road in overtime against Northwestern. Otherwise, that thing's been a grinded-out 17-14 type ball game. And uh, you've scored points, but not enough points. It's been your defense that's been kind of the story this year because your offense has been inconsistent. Does Mackenzie Milton change the execution of this football team and the offense? All open-ended questions because you don't know about his health. You don't know about his ability to return. What, what, what percentage of Mackenzie Milton do you get? Listen, you're not ever going to live down the infamous, is he better than what we have, response with Joe Burrow. Do you upset the apple cart with your quarterback room by bringing in a grad transfer versus another recruit? And you just have a conversation. Scott Frost, from day one, passed on Joe Burrow because he wanted to start off with what he had in the room, the guy he recruited and the guy he inherited. Well, you had Adrian beat out Mr. Oregon State, and you've, you've had up and down, uh, an up-and-down career. Luke McCaffrey, the, the world's ready to write him off as a quarterback option. Never say never, but are you going to be able to get a massive jump in him throwing the football between now and next year with a murderous schedule in 2021? Or do you talk him into switching positions? Do you chase both quarterbacks off if you accept a great... And who's to say Mackenzie Milton comes here? I think it's pretty much a no-brainer that he'll reach out to Scott Frost and, and Super Mario just because of how great they were for one another. And I don't think you say no if you're Nebraska. And you, you've got Smothers, you have McCaffrey, you have Adrian. Worst case, Milton doesn't win the job here. And if he doesn't win the job here with Nebraska's current quarterback situation, would he win the job at a Florida State, a Florida, an, an Oregon, a UCLA, a Texas? I mean, everyone's got a pause button right now with their eligibility anyway. Are you creating a mess? Probably. Are you doing what's best for the team? Yeah, if you bring him in and let him compete. But he's got to know that, listen, uh, you got to go win the job. They, that may not be appealing to him. So my short answer is is yes on if Mackenzie Milton can reunite with Scott Frost and Super Mario for this offense to make it go like it's supposed to be, that Central Florida office offense, you don't turn it down. And you have your talk with Adrian. You have your talk with McCaffrey. You have your talk with Smothers. Being around a guy like Mackenzie Milton and, and around a guy like Adrian Martinez isn't going to do bad things for a quarterback room or a football team. Adrian's already shown you the unselfishness. It's just another hurdle. Listen, you're going to have tough decisions and you're going to have an open competition unless, unless things take off Saturday and you get that 40-point performance with a 350-yard passing game and a 65 to 70% completion percentage from Adrian. And, oh, by the way, you get guys open 
downfield. Oh, and by the way, you get downhill running attack. Maybe you get Mills back to run the football. But it's going to be pretty quarterback run heavy, so I think you'll see uh, lots of McCaffrey on Saturday. At least that's how teams have attacked Purdue and won, uh, is with the quarterback run game. But listen, don't overthink it. You go get McKenzie Milton if he is willing to come here and go compete for the job. And he may look at the quarterback room. And Verduzco and Frost will be honest with everybody involved. Right now you got to worry about Saturday. But this is looming. This is interesting. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see what happens. This is a little bit from uh, McKenzie Milton and his situation because Milton was supplanted by his close friend, Gabriel, who's taken the job and run after McKenzie's horrific injury. There's no reason, whether it's a five-star recruit coming in or whether it's, you know, me coming off an injury, he should have to even be put in a position to, you know, compete, you know, like he's earned that right to be our QB. You know, I wouldn't want to slow down his momentum. You know, he could very well be a top draft pick next year, um, the way he's been playing. So, you know, wherever I go, you know, I'm going to take some tools I've learned from him and try to apply that to my game. Uh, Dugan chimes in. He tells me to stop at Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Don't create. It's just one more cook in the kitchen, right? What are you doing? Do you have a quarterback settled for 2020? No. Do you have one settled for 2021? I go back to the infamous quote, is he better than what you got? You don't know really what you got because there's been inconsistency and injury and youth and the offense is a mess. And McKenzie Milton, I don't know that he's the answer for the offense either, but it's looked pretty good. <laughs> it's looked pretty good when he's been healthy. I think you, you listen. You absolutely listen. Feel each other out. And, and Milton, again, may have a better opportunity. He may get passed on by everybody. They may look at his tape and say, dude, you're a warrior for coming back. Man, you're a warrior for, for grinding through, still wanting to get out and play. You're a great teammate for realizing that your friend from also from Hawaii, Gabriel, is, is the guy that's leading the Central Florida team to 8, 9, 10 wins. And you're just moving on. Do you move on back to the place that you launched a perfect season with the head coach, with the offense, with the quarterback coach? He'd be good for the program. And that's maybe as a GA, maybe it's not as a quarterback, but you just don't have a you don't have an answer right now. That can change Saturday. That can change a week from Saturday with whoever Nebraska's playing. Nebraska's got a chance with the opponents in front of them if it's not Ohio State to end this thing up at four and four. They also really need a win on Saturday. That's the focal point here. But I'd be really interested in seeing the offense with Milton. And it may look the same. He may not have the answer. He may not be the answer because the offensive line right now is what it is. And you've got two seniors right now that are mixed in with some youth. 
You don't have an answer at running back. You're waiting for somebody to emerge or stay healthy. And you think you got some toys uh, that are getting developed. But, man, it's been a slow process to get the ball downfield. And part of that also is your quarterback play. Either they don't have time to get the ball downfield or they can't make the throw or not seeing the throw. I don't know that Milton would have that problem. Now, again, what percentage of 2017 are you getting? How below 80%? How below 50% is he? He's uh, just marvelous for getting back on the field. We'll see where th- where things go with Nebraska and the transfer portal with McKenzie Milton. The There may not be any room at the end. I just don't think Frost and Verdusco would say no to the idea. It might be McKenzie Milton saying, you know what, there's probably a better situation for me. We'll talk about this and uh, the strain. That Husker offense against the Diaco D. Brandon Vogel's next. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. I think Vic out in Denver threw a a half a beer bottle at me. I I can see him doing it with this McKenzie Milton question that's out there. Vic writes in, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. McKenzie, there's no way McKenzie's a smart move for Nebraska. Too many downsides. Our existing QBs will freak out. Milton may not be 100%. Makes Nebraska look desperate like they're grasping at straws. Plus, the incoming recruits and potential recruits would all be turned off. Quarterbacks are part of the problem, but not all of the problem. Absolutely agreed. It's not all on the quarterbacks. But man... We have not seen a quarterback at Nebraska run the offense like it's supposed to be run. Milton did that. Now, is it going to be the same Milton? We will talk strain and grit with our dear friend Brandon Vogel, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine, and uh, get his book, Dream Like a Champion, with John Cook and Brandon Vogel, at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, aloha spicoli. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm I'm intrigued here. I'm an absolutely intrigued before we get to um, the offensive explosion that is like a volcano, been waiting to erupt against a uh, Diaco defense. What's your take on this Milton thing? You put on the headset. You put on the Yeezys. Do you pass on Milton? Do you listen and say, I'll get back to you? Or do you just say yes, like it's someone handing you a key to a Ferrari? <laughs> it's a it's a it's a pretty sticky situation, and I would say that a lot might depend on on Nebraska's next few games. Um, because I don't know in this in this weird college football year, finishing three and four feels a lot different uh, than finishing two and five, much less one and six. So, you know, we, we saw what Milton lasted in an, in an offense led by frost. So that's out there. Um, but also who knows, I guess where he's at in his recovery, all, all of that stuff. Like, I mean, this was as serious an injury as, as you're going to see. Mm-hmm. And 
who who knows, you know, what that is. So, like, even if you were to determine, um, okay, he absolutely makes our offense better in 2021, um, which which would be hard because then you wouldn't even – then you're, like, thinking about not even a quarterback competition. Um, you're thinking about the prospect of potentially losing guys. Who knows, who knows how that goes. Um, but, you know, stands to reason that you have two – you feel like you have two guys who can play the position now, and you're going to bring in another one on top of it, like – it's just it's just tough, and you know you were you were referencing a, a either a call or a, a tweet there about it, it smacks of desperation. Well, it, it might, um, but it it might also reflect like how much pressure this kind of staff and, and Nebraska overall feels to get things moving in the right direction as quickly as possible. You need the offense to start looking like the offense that got you hired right and i don't know if 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 mckenzie's the key to that or a a strong finish by adrian to reclaim the throne is that this whole quarterback merry-go-rounds worked pretty well because you've seen mccaffrey come in and run all right but you haven't seen him get super comfortable really since the northwestern game in hurry up mode throwing the ball but adrian's Looked, I mean, he looked really good throwing the ball last week. He did. He looked really nice. Yeah. So it just kind of comes down to your how does your quarterback room handle it? Adrian shown the ability to to deal with adversity, but this would be another like uh, big old puzzle piece to that room. I just, I guess, I, in my mind, I can't see Frost and Verduzco saying, "Look, we we can't take you. We love you, but we can't take." I guess I don't, I don't see that. The other side of it is Milton may look at this and go. This is not – I'm leaving one situation with a dear friend that's now at the helm running the, this offense under Coach Heupel in, in Gabriel. I can't beat him out or he's earned the job in my two years away. I don't want to put Frost and go through this either. Let me go somewhere else. It, it may not be part of the equation, but everyone's doing that math today, folks. Yeah, yeah, they are. And, you know, it feels a little bit like even – um, even if you, you you kind of assess the risk and look at the upside of like, okay, well, McKenzie Milton is able to be back towards back to what he was basically last time we saw him, um, and that instantly makes our offense better. It's, it's a little bit like uh, you know the the low fuel light coming on, and you mean like, well, we can stop and and get gas, but we know this station only has a quarter tank of gas, or we can roll the dice and try to go 50 miles. And if we get there, maybe we get a full tank of gas, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so in that way, like it really highlights, I guess, kind of the pressure and, and, and it's hard to assess because we don't know how Nebraska finishes out this season, but the pressure that there is to you, because everything to this point has been like, it's coming, it's coming. I see the progress when it flips, it's going to flip big. And, and there's an argument for that. Like, I know a lot of people don't see it, um, but I personally believe like, yeah, there's, there's enough there. Well, I don't think Nebraska is as far along as I thought they would be by any means at this point. Um, there's enough there when you dig into it to say, yeah, that could happen. It could be, it could be the team that goes from like, Oh, it took three years, which was longer than anybody thought. Uh, but when things took off, they really took off. Like I can see that I still can. Um, 
So Milton feels a little bit like a stopgap, but also it's a guy that, you know, you probably feel some affinity for. And, and I think you, I think you nailed it. Um, the, the easiest thing for, for Milton to do would probably be to be like, you know what? I, res- I, I love where I was at. I love the guys that came before the, the guys that are there now that I, where I was at, but I'm just going to save them all the trouble and, and look for something totally outside of it. Brandon Vogel's with us, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Vogue's. I love the title of the I-80 podcast at the corner of grit and strain, my friend. We are going to have Bob Diaco's greatest hits in about 10 minutes. So, Damon has put that together. What happened Saturday? Is it the Frost offense wearing out the Diaco D? Or is it the Diaco red zone D that kind of causes much of the same for Nebraska in the red zone from a woe standpoint. What do you see Saturday, and do you miss Bob? Let me ask you that. <laughs> well, it, it's funny you mentioned that because I was actually thinking that this morning. I was like, man, we, we really should have put together a, a greatest hit. So I'm glad to you, very glad to hear that, that you are doing that because uh, I went and pulled one quote from, from 2017 when Nebraska went to Purdue. And won twenty five twenty four and uh, copied in a, a Bob Diaco quote, and I was like, "Man, these were these were just they were like a novel in, in a few <laughs> short words. You, you really you really got to a lot of places um, with those. I, honestly, on Saturday, I I don't know. So part of me thinks so. We we know kind of the the Diaco style of defense, and it's it's a kind of hypothetically or theoretically sound style like Northwestern and Iowa in particular, and a little bit of Wisconsin do it really well. It's like, we're, we're going to prevent the big plays. You know, we're not going to be that high of a kind of havoc defense. We're not going to have a ton of tackles for loss. We're not going to have a ton of sacks, but we're willing to live with that to avoid giving up the big play. And Purdue has done that. It's certainly done that in the run game, which has been the source of most of Nebraska's big plays. Um, not so much in the past game. So that presents an interesting problem for Nebraska because, well, it's not necessarily a problem. Uh, it's a little bit like Illinois in that, okay, you, you should be able to hit some, some big passing plays, some perhaps downfield shots. Do you get away from what you've been able to do so far to try and do that? And I think one of the benefits for the Huskers here is one thing this offense is very capable of right now. They rank in the top ten in terms of just staying on schedule, and when they are on schedule, having success. So Rutgers uh, possessed the ball for 13 minutes in the fourth quarter last week, which is remarkable for for a one-score game. But if you can just kind of like live with those four, five, six-yard gains and and know that, you know, Purdue's doing everything it can to prevent the 25-yard gain, like Nebraska can move the ball that way. It's, It's how it's been moving the ball for the most part this year. So, I think that favors Nebraska a little bit, but like you mentioned, it all kind of comes down to that, okay, if Nebraska's going to move the ball, what happens in the red zone? And we've seen Nebraska have struggles there, and we've seen Purdue's defense, you know, do okay. And, and Nebraska's defense has, too, for that matter, to a degree. Quarterback run game is going to be huge. That's Purdue's Achilles. At least that's how Rutgers went to town. Rutgers also got a kickoff return for a touchdown as as up and down as Nebraska's special teams have been outside of the field goal, okay, unit. Uh, yeah. Purdue may have may be worse, right? I mean, they've just they've had kicking issues. 
uh, protection issues, coverage issues. So think about this all being wrapped up into to one glimmer of hope, right, as 2020 is winding down. You get a team where your special teams is the difference. And, oh, oh by the way, your, your offense could, uh, could finally get unleashed. We've been waiting and, and asking for that for a long time, uh, looking at this team in the passing game, in the quarterback run game, from a consistency standpoint. Uh, it might be that, and I've said that this week, it might be the get well game. But you just, Brom and Frost love to, to show off their brain to one another. All right, and that's I got about sixty seconds, a little bit, little less than sixty seconds. I think that's where can you be a little bit more composed with your play call, uh, and I think that's what did in Nebraska last year. They tried to get too cute. Yeah, and I think I think potentially having Mills available uh, could be a big factor there. You know, I think for us, that fingers crossed mm-hmm. on that um, today. So, and, and even if he's not. Um, you know, can can Nebraska be content with with a really controlled passing game, which it which it had against Iowa? You know, and, and Adrian completed eighteen or twenty passes. So I I think they can. You know, these teams are pretty close. Purdue Purdue's advantage here is it's lost three straight and it's lost all three. Well, all five of its games have been one score games this year. One two lost three. So so Purdue might have a little bit of that Nebraska after Illinois edge. Um, that that the Huskers had last week going into Iowa City, can Nebraska overcome that? Um, and that's kind of where the grit comes in, which you know was was straight from Adrian Martinez on Monday. So we'll see. Vogues, uh, can't wait to talk to you Saturday morning. Thanks for the time today, and uh, everyone go listen to Vogues' I eighty podcast. Brandon Vogel, grit and strain should be a good preview. Vogues, have a good uh, good rest of your week. Thanks for the time. You too. Thank you. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Coming up 30 minutes away, Grant Wistrom will be with his Husker legend. Get his take on the 2020 season and uh, that tough love, at love aspect of things. Can't wait to talk to Grant. Gary Barnett in about uh, 20 minutes. Numbers to get in 466 377 6800 825. 5865. Big thanks to Brandon Vogel from HailVarsity.com and Magazine. Is, uh, he joined us, the managing editor. We talked Purdue and uh, the Milton decision. Not that it's even at Nebraska's doorstep, but the that process is what it is. Do you look and entertain adding Mackenzie Milton? Does Mackenzie Milton even look at and entertain joining Nebraska? There's obviously success all three together with Frost, with Mario, with Milton. And Nebraska's looking for some consistency at quarterback. You could get it, and Vogue's nailed it. And you'll have a chance to kind of plant your flag, whether you're McCaffrey, whether you're Adrian, or, or not, these next few games. Saturday's so big. It, it is so big. A lot rides on. You've got a fan base right now with Nebraska that is just, you're, you're wore out. You're weary. You are absolutely weary. You watched against your better judgment against Iowa, 
hoping for a different result. It was it was right there, and then Nebraska got Nebraska. The Illinois game is still going to piss you off from now till the end of time. And Illinois is is one thing. <laughs> Purdue, you're working on going zero and three against them. And man, you just you just haven't had good experiences at Purdue. I mean, aside from Stanley Morgan at the buzzer at the goal line, but that was Nebraska's last road win in forever ago. Now, let me do a little math here. Nebraska. They've won a they've won a road game. They went at Maryland. But my point is, is Purdue, Maryland, you know that Grand Canyon size gap. So without further ado, Damon Bark, jump in here real quick. I know you don't like being put on the spot, but how excited are you for this Diaco's greatest hit segment? Uh, I'm ready. I I think it's going to be fun. Uh... I just kind of want to kick it off now. Let, let's go for it. All right. Well, the uh, Dirty Bob, the Argyle sweater, the shades, slick back hair, had an amazing suit. It's probably a Gary Michaels suit. The, the last time Nebraska won at Purdue, he was wearing it and had the, uh, the, the pocket square. I'm not a pocket square guy. I need to become a pocket square guy. And he had a, 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 a black shirt pocket square that he probably blew his nose on based on how that defense performed in 17. Here is Dirty Bob's Greatest Hits. Love what I do. I love football. I don't need to read some kind of motivational quote to get out of bed. Love what I do. The mood lighting going here, huh? Nice. It's probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. Everything's positive. We are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. He's a nuts and bolts guy, not false bravado. He's a real football guy, silliness. He's a tough guy. (laughs) Really? You work and you do the work and you put the work in. Maybe playing on the football team with Bear Bryant with kind of Groundhog's Day each day, not fake nonsense. You think maybe that helped a little bit? On and on and on. Up. Thank you. We we haven't hit all of them yet, have we? All right. I will remember you. Bob's first presser. Come on down. Will you remember me? Love what I do. Love what I do. I love football. I don't need to read some kind of motivational quote to get out of bed every morning. I mean, I am on fire when my feet hit the floor. I operate that way. Try to... Uh, I'd say the style is very intense, um, very detailed, but 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 we we're positive. We don't tear people down. There's no profanity in the teaching. There's no um, emasculating in the teaching. It's uplifting. There is profanity in the stands. There is emasculation in the stands. More from Disco Bob on the College Football Hall of Fame career of Josh Kellu. In my mind, there's no doubt that he is and or will be one of the best safeties in the country, if not the very best safety in the country. Joshua thanks you. He is killing it for Tennessee. Love me some Kalu. Baloo's Kalu's. Uh, best defense in the country. Can I have that for 100, Bob? There is no doubt that we are going to create a great defense. We are going to create 
the best defense in the country here. There's no doubt about that. It's just going to take time, and it's and the players are are good enough to do just that. Let's talk Mike etiquette. That can go on your shirt, Bob. I had no idea till we went to our tackling drill on the first full padded practice of spring football, and found that the players were spectacularly frustrated during the drill because they're willing, they're talented enough to tackle, they're tough enough to tackle, they're willing tacklers, they want to do well, but they don't fundamentally know anymore how to tackle at all. How did this even happen? Did I, course, tell Riley that I, I have found your stash of Worthers and I'm going to throw them away if you don't take this guy on as your defensive coordinator? Oh, and by the way, fire your bro banker over the phone. Eh. Um, Diaco's not a runner. Contrary to at least what was depicted, I've never run away from anything in my life. Um, I've never not stood up and been accountable and accountable and responsible to uh, my work and what I'm resp- what I'm been entrusted to do. Um, that's never happened. To be painted in that light or, or that way is just absolutely ridiculous. Okay, so he's not in the painting. He's not into to running. This the money shot. The strain. There's no reasonable reason considering where the defensive program was at to believe that they should be able to do everything that needs to be done in the game to, to win the game. The strain is spectacular, right? So we can just go back and look at the game. Then you see, do you see the strain? I mean, do you see it or no? Or is it just something that I'm missing? Right? You can't play a game like that and win. Right? So the things that happened in the game create like an impossible circumstance to win. Okay. So that is Bob Diaco. You'll remember it if you're not victorious in West Lafayette as a Nebraska fan on Saturday. You've got to annihilate that defense. That, uh, that, that defense. I mean, a trophy you never wanted to claim. It's at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. Yukon in Central Florida. Fast forward. All right, that's enough, Sarah. Uh, we'll hear from Scott Frost on Bob Diaco, the running game. How are the wideouts progressing? Gary Barnett's on the way. Uh, we'll hear from Grant Wistrom next hour at Tale Varsity Radio. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Thanks for hanging out, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio, at Damon Barr. That's two R's on Twitter. And a reminder about buckling up 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce risk of fatal injury up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Ten minutes away, Gary Barnett. Get his take on 
COVID and football and little Nebraska thoughts. Grant Wistrom at 525. Going to want to hear Grant, his take on the Big Red. Danny Burke, Burke's best bets at 540. 466-377-6800, 825-5865. So quick feedback has been thanks but no thanks on Mackenzie Milton via the email. And I think you entertain it. I think you entertain it, and I think Vogue's nailed it. What's the, the next three games, if you get them, look like for you at quarterback? And there, there's no absolutes with what you have and what's unknown out there for this offense other than they need to get better. They need to continue to develop. To do that, they need to play at least Nebraska's playing. Let's hear from Scott Frost. We just played you uh, Bob Diaco's greatest hits. And the, the final sweet spot, the sweet note was, well, the strain. Can you feel it? And we heard that. Now, let's hear from Scott Frost. Cut eight. His thoughts on Bob Diaco, because he was asked, what do you think of Bob Diaco? What's your relationship here with uh, Dirty Bob? You know, I, I have mutual respect, I think, is probably the right word to, to talk about with what he does. And he, he's been established defensive coach. Uh, he's had good success. I think he's a good coach. You know, we coached against each other once when he was head coach at UConn. It was a good game. It was a tough game. You know, I think they, they're, they're sound, typically don't give up a lot of big plays, uh, make it hard on you to run it. He knows what he's doing. Well done. Well freaking done. And listen, he he did well at Notre Dame. I don't know how well he's been given the thumbs up. I know that Brom has spent time with special teams and defense extra this week. Does this thing turn into a shootout Saturday? Is this a 27-24 ball game? Who knows? It's something Nebraska's got to have it. You're 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 sad and and dejected now based on the 1 and 4 number. But if you can't go go get Purdue, it's a gettable game. And I guess I shouldn't say that Purdue week because that's probably still on the locker room bulletin board area of the Purdue locker room. So uh, more thoughts from Scott Frost next hour and anxious to, to get some thoughts on the playoff picture. Gary Barnett will be with us. So that is uh, on the way. More chances for you next hour with the Jet Splash Car Wash Certificate. We'll, uh, we have one more to give away today, one to give away tomorrow. $25 gift card to Jet Splash Car Wash. So listen for your chance to handle that. Good hour. Good feedback. Love the Milton story. We'll see where that goes and where he ends up. Hour two coming up, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmidt underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmidt. 
Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We say hi to the head coach, Gary Barnett. Coach, how's the uh, the golf game? Were you able to get some rounds in over the Thanksgiving break? What else do you know this week? How are you? Well, Chris, of course I got rounds in over the Thanksgiving break. Yep, that's what I do. I don't do much of anything else. So I actually played Thanksgiving morning. I played, I, you know, we had a broadcast on Saturday, and so I didn't get to play Saturday. But we flipped from playing SC mm-hmm. on Thursday. Those coaches found out that they now have to prepare for San Diego State. So what a nightmare uh, all that is. That's so hard on those kids and so hard on those coaches to have to change and without a practice try to get ready and then uh, go out and then they they really did not look for uh, CU did not look good on offense but did look good on defense and so you get painted with the brush uh, that you use for the last game so now all of a sudden you know they got problems that they didn't have the week before and you know it's just the way it goes it's when you switch like that it's so hard I'd hate to be in Carl's Carl Durrell's shoes and having to do that. But they got a game in. I don't know what they netted with that game. Uh, it was on Pac-12 Network. So I don't know whether financially it was, you know, even a break-even thing. So it's just that environment right now, Chris. Well, and, and that's just it. And Coach Frost talks about this a lot, Coach Barnett, in, in that our guys need to play. They need to get better. And the way they're going to get better – is is by playing in games. So um, Nebraska was right there. They looked a little bit better. They looked a lot better than the Illinois game, but they looked a little bit better on offense. But ultimately, it's it's another one possession loss for Nebraska. But they, you know what, Coach? They weren't out physicaled by Iowa. That had been an issue, right, the last three years or, or longer. So Nebraska's making some strides. Any takeaways uh, on Nebraska uh, and the Iowa game? No, I mean, you're right. They were right there. And uh, I, I was actually following it on my phone, and then um, I taped the, the game as well. But um, they were right there. You know, they're just – I think they're a couple receivers short mm-hmm. of being able to break big plays. You know, when you're leading rushers – on your football team are the two quarterbacks and a wide receiver, the first three rushers, yeah. and then your fourth rusher is a tailback. I don't know. That's that sort of, you know, if I'm looking at that and I haven't seen any film on Nebraska, I go, well, you know what? They, uh, they, they, they're either scrambling with the quarterback or they're running a lot of options, mm-hmm. zone reads and getting the quarterback on the perimeter, you know, and so it, it, it doesn't look like they've been able to establish any kind of solid running game. Uh, and there's no big plays that they make. The big plays are made by the quarterback uh, running the football. So, you know, it, you can narrow down what you have to defend as a result of that. Sure. Uh, and I think that's what they've run into. Uh, defensively, they've been okay. You know, nothing great, but they've been okay. Um, you know, I think eight sacks and, mm-hmm. you know, four, three or four interceptions, three interceptions, four interceptions. So, you know, those numbers are okay. It's, it's just that they haven't been able to have the big plays unless the quarterback runs the football. I'm interested on your take with this. You always had teams that were developed, and you had 
really pretty good leadership. From your perspective, the topic of attrition, Nebraska's lost a number of kids that they worked hard to recruit and get kids to Lincoln, okay, from Florida. They've lost five kids from the 2020 recruiting class, so there's been attrition. A lot of these wide receivers, these young wideouts, are getting a little bit of time, but they're not getting a ton of targets, or they'll get an early look and then go away. And, and that could help open up the offense. I mean, so there's a mixed bag of, of questions I have as to why, why it's why it's an issue. And coach, start off with with attrition and recruiting, and you know the the topic of tough love and coaching hard. And in today's generation, was a pretty big focal point with Nebraska this week at the press conference. Just how you talk to and reach today's athlete kids don't like being yelled at you don't have to be a yeller and a screamer but there comes a time and point where it probably needs to happen how did you juggle all of that in your years as a head coach i don't know what everybody else's philosophy Mm -hmm. is i know what mine was and i just tried to live within my philosophy uh you know and if they wanted somebody else's philosophy then they'd have they could go get them but uh first of all Teaching kids leadership and bringing them along in leadership doesn't do you any good if they're not there when it's time for them to take over. So I didn't want, when I recruited, I wanted guys that we could develop and that were going to be there for four years. That meant they can stay in school for four years. They're not going to be so far away from home that they're going to get that homesick. Sure. All those things go into what I thought was recruitability and someone that I would want. It just seems like to me that every time I took a chance and went against my instincts on someone, it didn't work out. So I've put in a, I had a leadership program that started when they were freshmen. It went to a different level, another level when they were sophomores, another level when they were juniors, and another level still when they were seniors. So that once those guys were seniors, once they've gone through the ranks from freshmen up to seniors, they had been able to observe and interpret uh, what they saw along the way and could then step in and make the kinds of decisions, run a locker room, um, be guys that understood how the whole process works and and not fall victim to the whims of, uh, I got yelled at today, I'm going to go home. Sure. You know, it's just, it, it's the process. And you can't let that process unfold unless guys are going to be there. So... Um, you know, we didn't have really highly ranked recruiting classes because I, I was more intent on uh, developing kids uh, and making sure they're there for four years and making sure that they could stay in school. So, you know, you know I think that philosophy is a little different than, than some other people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we didn't care about recruiting rankings. We didn't care where a kid was ranked. We used our own judgment uh, of, of nine coaches looking at film, talking to them. Uh, and so we didn't pull the trigger real quick on a lot of kids either. You know, as a result, I would, you know, I, it was like measure twice, cut once for me. Sure. So that isn't, uh, you know, I can't speak for anybody else. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look like that's the way people look at it, and that's just fine because it was just the way I chose to look at it. So we didn't run into a lot of those problems 
uh, Chris, to tell you the truth. Well, and you want to be able to develop guys. You also want to get guys that are pretty talented. I mean, the the best blend, right, is to get the the high profile guy that is very coachable and can can play a good football for you for three and a half, four years. And so when when I get into the youth part of that, I mean, from a consistency standpoint, that's what keeps guys off the field when they're young or the understanding side of it. And I guess my question is, is, is there a secret to to being able to, to, to play young guys and have them contribute if they're fabulous athletes? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the secret is you have them, but you want to keep them. Yeah. And, uh, you know, guys that come in and give you a great one year and then decide to go in the portal, that, that doesn't help your growth of your program. Right. You know, it becomes like the one and dones in, in basketball. I mean, you got to keep recruiting them. you got to keep landing those kinds of kids. Everybody's recruiting them, but landing them and keeping them is the, is the real key. Um, and, you know, once you start going junior college, you run into the same thing. Your first-year junior college guys are no different than a first-year high school kid um, in, in 99% of the cases. <clears throat> so you have to go through another year of development with those guys. Well, uh, the second year, they're ready to play, they're good, and then guess what? you got to go replace them immediately. So for me... I would just I would just rather build and build and build, keep adding to, uh, with good kids, bring them along, not have to count if I could, not have to count on freshmen. Uh, but every once in a while, you run into a hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you, in, in other words, you you've got all of a sudden guys have gotten hurt at a position, or uh, guys who uh, you know couldn't do schoolwork or whatever. And when, when I found a guy, when I had a guy leave because. He couldn't do schoolwork, which, by the way, I didn't have very many. Mm-hmm. I blame that on me because that that was, you know, I need to bring people here who can do the work and want to do the work. So, um, yeah, I just sort of eliminated a lot of those issues. Sure. Coach, want to look at the playoff picture right now? And, and Ohio State's a bit of an X factor. The Big Ten in general is an X factor with uh, the scheduling. I know Northwestern and Minnesota off this weekend. But uh, overall, who are the best four teams in your eyes right now? If Coach Barnett was picking the four, who are your four right now? I might be a little bit different on this one. But, I mean, I I think uh, Alabama and I think Notre Dame and Mm -hmm. I think Clemson. And then, for me, it's BYU is a a team that I think is really good. And I think Cincinnati is really good. Uh, Ohio State, if they play enough games – Mm-hmm. Then, then I think they get chosen, but they get chosen. You know, I'm not sure they're going to earn it, but okay. I mean, there's no question they're a talented team, but they're not going to earn it to the same rate that maybe everybody that that those other schools that have played 11 games are going to earn it. But this is a different year, and I think um, I think you've got to say that this isn't going to happen any other year, um, and so choosing a league champion right now is. You know, it's, league championships don't mean the same for everybody right now because of the number of games that you play. Mm-hmm. So I would I would say Ohio State would probably have the edge for me, but I would I sure think BYU and Cincinnati have deserved it, and nobody's playing much better than A and M right now. They are good, and maybe Florida, but I, I think I would edge 
everybody with with uh, Ohio State, but then I'd I'd be looking at BYU and Cincinnati real close. You know, and that's just the question: what what can Ohio State continue to do? Uh, I'm interested in in your take on earlier this week. You, you had an apology, but you also had some accusations by uh, by Kirk Herbstreet. Do you believe? What do you believe? Do you believe teams are ducking, or do you think COVID's just that rampant? Well, I, 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 I don't think anybody ducks anybody. I really don't. I mean, I don't. I don't think so. I, I, people who make the decisions, some of those decisions don't really care. Right. You know, they're, they have a different set of responsibilities, and they're making their decisions based on those responsibilities. And so I, I think that's, that's uh, uh, saying, when you say something like that, I think you're thinking that, that everybody in that school has, uh, thinks that this football game or playing it or not playing is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it is. So, uh, uh, you know, you got to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. Everybody's got a job to do. They know their job much better than you do. Uh, let them do their, their job. You do your job. And, and that's the way it should be. Coach, going to hit rapid fire before we let you get out. Uh, we'll, we'll get to Nebraska-Purdue here. Uh, Purdue uh, minus two. This thing should be tight. They're always tight. Nebraska's trying to avoid 0-3 in the last three years against Purdue. What do you see for this one? Uh, I, I just I think Nebraska's real close, and and uh, I know it's a two just a two point spread at Purdue, but uh, I think Nebraska's real close, and and I just got a, I got a feel that they've got to break through on this. They've they've hung in there in every game except Illinois. And I just I think they're going to hang in and pull this one out. Indiana, they've got to go to the backup quarterback. Really good response against Maryland last week. They are at Wisconsin. This will be a good ball game. This will be a good ball game, and I hate to see him lose that quarterback. He's such a good player. Mm-hmm. But uh, it started off as a fourteen point spread. I don't know what it is now, but it's um, you know I was a little surprised to see that uh, that. Uh, you know, but Wisconsin's a good football team, and so is Indiana. This is really close. I think Wisconsin wins it because of the quarterback issue. Okay. I think Wisconsin at home as well. Anything you're eyeing? Auburn A&M as we close out. Uh, Florida, Tennessee. Iowa State. Uh, they host West Virginia. I mean, anything, anything you got, you got circled? Any other game this weekend? Uh, well, not other than Missouri, Arkansas. Gee whiz, come on. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> and the Colorado Arizona game's got my attention. Well, yeah, you'll be uh, locked in for that. No, I actually like uh, the Washington State USC game on Sunday. Okay. To tell you the truth, I think that's that's got the making of of a good game. Um, but, but there doesn't seem to be anything that's. Uh, that's outstanding. That's going to mean a whole lot. Mm. You know, I mean, Clemson, Virginia Tech, but that's a 22-point spread. You know, and uh, you saw yesterday where the ACC said this is the last game for Clemson, the last game for Notre Dame. They're going to give them two weeks yeah. to get ready for the playoffs. I mean, 
So uh, for the league championship game, and I think they'll both get. I think if Clemson wins, they'll both get in. So yeah, you know, it's, it's just there are a lot of real tight games, you know. And the minute you say that, every game will be tight. <laughs> so uh, you know, hopefully by saying it, that's what we'll see is a lot of good games. That'll be great, Coach. You have a good weekend. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Chris. Bye bye. It's Coach Barnett. Good to hear from him. His philosophy on building the program guy who uh, helped build and maintain Husker standout Hall of Famer Grant Wistrom next Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. He's in his 30s but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut pre-teen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And uh, we say hi to Husker and College Football Hall of Famer, Super Bowl champ, Grant Wistrom with this hole number 98. Grant, how, how's your uh, your fall going, man? It's good to spend some time with you. It is. It's been a fast fall, Smitty. I'm not going to lie to you. We're deep into trying to get our medical marijuana businesses up and running down here. I've gone back to work as a real estate agent. Uh, there is very little time for rest these days. Do you have kind of a Marty Bird setup for me down in the Ozarks? Uh, no. No, we're not quite to that status yet. I haven't bought a casino. Uh, but if things go right, I might. I'll invite you down to our uh, big spender room there. No, that, that'd be good, man. Uh, yeah. You know, good for you. How do you like – we'll get into football in two seconds, I promise. But how do you like real estate? I love it, actually. Um, back even when I was playing football, I used to own a real estate agency. Uh, when I got out, I started buying rental homes. My wife loves to design homes. She loves to uh, go in and remodel and flip homes. So, uh, And I, I always enjoy helping people, too. So this gives me an opportunity to combine two things that I really enjoy doing. Uh, or, you know, I enjoy the real estate market, but I really enjoy making people happy, finding what they want, and putting in, uh, put either... You know, right now I'm working as mainly as a listing agent, so mm-hmm. hopefully getting people the most bang for their buck and get the most they can for their home. So when they get onto that next place, they can get exactly what they want. Well, back to the medical marijuana. I mean, how is how has that continued to to, to move forward for you? Uh, it's it's been a long process. Uh, hopefully, we will be up and running. Our dispensary will be open by February 28th. That's our goal. Uh, we're going to have to file for a time extension with the state, but we've got a good case for that. Um, you know, I was just reading through an article from the state. They're going to be, I think they're going to be not lenient with us as far as people that haven't met the time deadlines because, quite honestly, with everything that's going on in the world right now, it, everything's taken twice as long. Mm-hmm. So trying to build a building, remodel, permits, order equipment, everything's taken twice as long now. So uh, the state has just come out and talked about how, uh, they are going to be looking at our request for time extensions and, you know, hopefully being kind of not lenient with them for those people that have proved that they are trying to take steps forward to make this happen, but just give us a fair chance to get these businesses open. Well, best to you. I know you're busy. And Grant, uh, with all that uh, swirling around, have you had much time that, to catch Nebraska on, on Saturdays this year? I watch them every opportunity I get, Smitty. Um, uh, so, yeah, every chance I get, I watch them. What's your take? I mean, what's your, what are your what are your thoughts? Are you seeing some improvement? I know the record's not 
not what you guys are used to who, who won championships. Yeah, and, you know, it's a different time. But, you know, it, the, the Illinois game was uh, very frustrating, to say the least. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think about that's about as poor a performance as I've seen in a long time. Uh, but, you know, they, they bounced back against Iowa. Granted, you know, they they didn't win. They had opportunities at the end of the game. and But they went out there. That's a really good Iowa football team. They battled with them. They didn't give up. Uh, and that's, once again, I go back to all I'm looking for. So I really think the biggest issue with this team is just finding their identity and finding a way to finish games and to win games. They've identified every way possible to lose a game. But we kind of need to flip the script there and start figuring out ways to win football games. Grant Wistrom's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Uh, Grant, Coach Frost references you and Jason from time to time, specifically your leadership qualities. Uh, and uh, he, he talks about culture keepers. And, and I wanted to go there with you real quick. From your time in Nebraska, from freshman to, to senior and the championships in between, who did you learn from at Nebraska? Was there a big brother or someone who paid it forward to you? And then ultimately you paid it forward to somebody below you. I mean, give me the, the setup of kind of your role, Jason. I mean, we've heard stories, but just what, what type of responsibility did you feel with the program? You know, when I first got there, we it was an incredible D-line room. I mean, I had Terry Keneally, who, you know, embodies what Nebraska football is all about, uh, to look to, to see how to get things done, to do things the right way. Uh, and there are a number of other guys in there, Jason Pesterfield, you know, uh, Christian Peter. There are a lot of guys out there that just showed up to work every day and set the tone, and so... You know, when I got there, it was just easy to fall in line. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the standard had been set. There was no backing away from that standard either. So, you know, all Jason and I did was just carry on what had already been established. And so, you know, and I also say that Jason was somebody that I looked to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not the most in-your-face, a confrontational sort of guy. Uh, so I had to take a lot of that from Jason. Jason is not afraid to, for, of confrontation to say the unpopular thing. Uh, so I had to learn from him in that regard. You know, that was just the guy that I was standing shoulder to shoulder with. We came in at the same time pretty much. Um, and then after that, you know, I, I think guys like Kyle Vandenbosch came in behind us uh, who, once again, the standard was set, and Kyle just went in and adhered to the standard. And at some point along the way, we let the standard slip. And, I, you know, and that's what Scott's there to fix. And I still firmly stand behind that that is the right man with the right group of coaches with him to get the job done. Grant, you talk about that standard, right? And, and you just outlined the process and what example was there, what needed to be carried forward, and then what needs to be rebuilt uh, with with the, the the standard and I mean you got to pour that concrete right but you got to make sure the guy pouring it knows how to pour it and I think is that part of this process as we get back to the the finishing a game part I mean is that something you had to learn or did you feel pretty good about 
uh, coming in uh, as a as a high level player. I mean, because these guys don't have a lot of winning history. It's not that they aren't putting effort forth, but the, the results are the results. You eventually need something good to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to come from a good program, and uh, where and it was just instilled in me early that you know high school program I was referring mm-hmm. to, where you know. You just don't lose. Losing is not an option. You know, the, the, to, to think of a way to lose a game, and nobody thinks of a way to lose a game, but there's ways to think of not to win games. That just wasn't an option. And, and I, I don't – losing is an attitude and winning is an attitude. And if you believe that you're going to win every time you step on the field, good things are going to happen for you. Even if you're on a bad football team, believe in yourself, believe that you're going to win, believe that things are going to go your way. And you can't just sit there and sit on your butt and hope for it. you got to work for those things. But having a positive mental attitude about those things does help as well. And when we got there, that was there already. I mean, they competed for a national championship before. They believed they were going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think you made a great analogy with the guy pouring the concrete needs to know how to pour. And that's Scott's job and the coach's job to change that culture. And, man, I know it's, we're not where we want to be. But I truly believe we are headed in the right direction. I don't think I don't think anybody else can get the job done. I believe in Scott. I believe in Eric. I believe in the guys that are there. Uh, and it's going to happen. I truly believe that to my core. And it's just like you said, the guy pouring the concrete, you know, he needs to do his job too, and Scott will get the job done. Couple more minutes. Grant Wistrom's with us. Hail Varsity Radio. Grant, uh, when it comes to connecting with with younger players, you've had a chance to to speak to the team, and it's you know pre COVID. But how do you try and connect with the, the the you know the generation that's now eighteen to twenty two? And I'm not calling you old. <laughs> I promise you. You wouldn't be wrong. But, you know, I mean, we're, you and I are of a certain age and, and guys that, you know, we have kids that are now teenagers. But how does how does a guy that, that cranked out such an incredible career at Nebraska try and connect with the next group of 18 to 22-year-olds who, oh, great, there's, there's championship trophies, but they weren't even around when, when they happened? Right, right. But you know what? We're all football players. We all love to win. And so there is that common theme that runs through all of us. We're all competitors. So if you're 44 or you're 18 stepping onto the, you know, into the locker room for the first time, there's a connection there. We all love football. We all want to win. We all went to the University of Nebraska for one reason. And that connects you. And, you know, I haven't had an opportunity to do it for a long time, but I really believe that every time that Jason and I get to step in front of that team or whenever Scott brings any, mm-hmm. you know, ex-player in, uh, passionate player, the kids sit up and listen. They do understand it. The kids that, the kids that give a crap are going to sit up and listen. The kids that are too cool for it, it doesn't matter who you bring in there. They're not going to listen to those guys. That's not who we're talking to. We're, we're talking to the kids that care, the kids that want to buy into Nebraska football. And those kids that listen – are the kids that'll show up on the field because they're you know they're going to listen, Jason, and that's not why they're going to be good football players. Mm-hmm. They're going to be good football players because they do the little things right. They pay respect. They listen to their coach. They show up on time. They get the job done. That's why they're going to be good football players. It doesn't have anything to do with what Jason and I say, but you know we're all football players, and that's the common connection. 
And if, you know, I'm in real estate now, if a hundred year old man came in that sold 600 houses last year, you know, in sure. 1985, I'm going to listen to what he has to say. This guy's done it at the highest level and done a great job. And I'm an idiot if I think I can't learn something from him. So at some point, you know, age isn't a factor. And you're like, these guys have done what I want to do. They've been where I want to be. Maybe they can drop some pearls on me and help us get in the right head in the right direction. Grant Wistrom. Grant, we'll let you out on this. And thanks for spending time today. Uh, The uh, topic of hard coaching came up. I really enjoyed Adrian Martinez's perspective earlier in the week. Is there an incident you recall from Coach McBride kind of making it a little difficult for you on maybe a Tuesday practice, but man, it paid off in the long run. Oh, it, it, it was every day, Schmitty. <laughs> every freaking day. There was no, there was no backing down ever. It was every day was a dog fight and you went out there and we battled against the best offensive line in the country every day. And, and it showed when we stepped on the field on Saturdays. Grant Wistrom's with us. Grant, have a good uh, rest of your day and uh, continued success to you. Thanks for a few minutes, man. All right. Thank you, Schmitty. We'll talk to you later, man. Got to love talking with Grant Wistrom. Good stuff. And a 1,000% the back of what's going on in Nebraska. Needs to flip around. He thinks it will. We'll see how Nebraska comes out Saturday against Purdue. Best bets. Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago's next. Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you. It is time for Burke's best bets. Uh, Danny Burke with us, the pride of Chicago, at Danny Burke Five on Twitter. His daily show with Vizen Sports Rush Hour, and uh, we say hi to the pride of Chicago. Now, Danny, what's good, man? How you doing? Smitty, I'm doing good, my man. I'd, uh, you know, be doing a lot better if Nebraska came away with that win the other day. But, hey, at least they got the cover, right? We'll take it from that perspective of the gambling angle, at least. Yeah, I, my prediction went the other way with Nebraska. I thought it'd be close for a while, and I didn't know where Nebraska's soul would be after the Illinois game. But they uh, they came back, battled, coulda, shoulda, woulda, right? I mean, that's, that's the theme for the last couple of years, and... We'll see if Saturday's the uh, the, the get it done Saturday for Nebraska. Is the, the line's been in Purdue's favor, but it's minimal. I mean, it's not even right. At least from what we've seen, it's not even three three and a half. It's it's below the token three point home field advantage. So this thing's going to cause you a lot uh, of heartburn, heartache. And maybe some ecstasy if uh, if Nebraska does get the win. This thing's supposed to be tight, Danny. Do you agree? Yeah, I do, Schmitty. And, you know, we've talked about this game, and this is just so interesting because I think if you're not really tapped into this Nebraska program, if you're not following them on a weekly basis like you are, and, and at least I am compared to mm-hmm. the average person, being that I went there and we covered the team, and you still do, of course, every day, So what you mentioned, which was, I think, such a great point, is that despite what happened this past week against Iowa, that was arguably and could be a momentum builder for Nebraska because he didn't know how they were going to come out, like you alluded to, after that blowout loss against Illinois. He put up a good performance against Iowa, a game you probably should have won, but once again, you shoot yourselves in the foot, special teams doesn't help, and then your offensive line doesn't give the best help to Adrian Martinez at the end. But look, that's just also how great – Iowa's defensive line is it was almost inevitable a big play like that was going to happen 
Nevertheless, I think coming into this game with Purdue, Purdue's been a team that's had the stronghold over Nebraska these past couple seasons. And that's going to be in the back of their mind, certainly. And also, just coming into this, I just don't really like this Purdue team that much. I mean, this is a team on a three-game losing streak. You lose at home versus Rutgers at Minnesota, who we know the Gophers are a tough team. But I don't really hang that as much on Purdue because Minnesota still has some talent. Uh, And then the game before that was versus Northwestern, where they lost as well. But in my opinion, Nebraska always seems under Scott Frost, like they have kind of that one, I don't want to say signature win, but just one big win toward the end of the year that gets all us Nebraska fans, all these people kind of hyped up for next year going, okay, that was a good momentum at the end of the season that's going to lead us into next year. That's exactly what this Nebraska team needs. And I think it could definitely be against this Purdue team. Adrian Martinez, a dual threat QB type uh, uh, where they're going back and forth with him and McCaffrey. I love that uh, Martinez was starting and was getting the reps at the end, and you implement McCaffrey still. I think that's the way to go, clearly. And this defense, as long as they can keep stopping the run, but it's going to be big here to stop the pass with Purdue, obviously, is where they thrive. So you can't give up those big yardage plays. They're going to nickel and dime you and get your first down, but you can't give those huge plays up that will give momentum to the Boilermakers. Nebraska can do all of that, which is a lot to say. I actually like Nebraska to cover. I took him plus two and a half, but you're feeling a little frisky. Go ahead and take the money line for some plus value. You know, the the bottom line to me is this. You can't get shut down by Bob Diaco's defense. As bad as your offense has struggled, if you're Nebraska, you got to find a way against that dude. Okay, on Saturday, make it happen on offense. Be better on defense. Bell and Moore are, are big time. So Nebraska's secondary, which has been pretty good, will be under fire but uh, I like Nebraska to to find a way stop the skid right it's been uh, it's been uh, two years in a row against Purdue and uh, Nebraska in a tight one I think we both like them uh, real quick what do you like here about Indiana Wisconsin uh, Wisconsin looked great one week got stymied by Northwestern two weeks ago then they lost a game obviously to COVID in Indiana man they played every game they've had an opportunity to play every game and uh, they're a bit of a walking wounded no panics but I love Tom Allen's squad man they've got some passion they're good I think they hang around in this one yeah I, you know I wouldn't be surprised if they do just based on all the overall talent they have with Penix out certainly that's a big struggle and I don't want to be too brash to judge Wisconsin based on what happened against Northwestern I mean, we know that Northwestern defense is pretty elite as of this point. Wisconsin's getting a bye week here because of the game getting canceled. So I actually played Wisconsin minus 13 and a half. I was fortunate enough to get that number under the key number of 14. Now we see that about two touchdowns being 14. And at that point, um, I wouldn't play it really. And if I did, I could understand the argument for Indiana. The back door would certainly be wide open in this game still with that raw talent that Indiana has. But also looks like their star running back was a little bit banged up heading into this week. I just think Wisconsin is going to be pissed that they lost that game, pissed at what they're limited to do with the Bulls and with the conference championship, and they still want to go out there and prove what they can do at least for next year. And I think they're going to have a good showing. So my 13-and-a-half I thought was a good opportunity to take advantage of that. And at that spot, I feel I feel pretty nice about it. At 14, a little bit more skeptical. All right, is A&M walking into a buzzsaw? They're sitting in at number five in the college football playoff ranking. You know, I, I love this Texas A&M team, and it's kind of weird to say that, but last year I, was, I enjoyed watching them a lot, and not that I was, like, making a bunch of money off of them. I did bet them every now and then, but just watching Kellen Mond play, it's kind of a blast. And, and what's kind of cool, too, what you don't really point out as much, just people in general, is 
is that they have a solid defense, and that defense has really been the reason why they've been dominant this year. I mean, Kellen Mond, when he's got 16 touchdowns, two interceptions, he's got the clear quarterback advantage over Bo Nix, who hasn't lived up to the hype with seven interceptions and a 10-touchdown ratio. But this Texas A&M team only allowing 328 yards per game Auburn's defense still solid, but they allow 407. Once again, under that key number of seven with A&M, I laid the six and a half earlier this week. Thought that was a good opportunity at seven. Once again, kind of that scenario where I'm a little bit more skeptical because obviously I could see this coming down to a touchdown, so then you would just push if that's the case. So six and a half, laying it with A&M, I really like that spot. You give the advantage to Kellen Mond, you give the advantage to the Aggies' defense, plus this line got bet up right away with A&M opening up as a four-point favorite. So some of the sharper money liking the Aggies in this spot against Auburn. Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter weekly, or weeknights on the VEASAN Sports Network, his show Rush Hour 6 to 7, and of course does Fox pregame for the Bears uh, in Chicago. Danny, about a minute here, give me an NFL game, your, your best bet, or what game you're most intrigued slash interested in here on Sunday. You know, Schmitty, I don't really have one yet, and I've been waiting to get one because at Bet Rivers, we saw the Chargers flip to a plus one dog. They opened up as like a one and a half, a one point favorite. So I wanted to tease up the Chargers to over plus seven, so you'd get them plus seven and a half and tease down the Packers against the Eagles. So that was the bet I wanted to make, but I'm kind of waiting to see where these lines move. But the game that intrigues me the most is the Rams and the Cardinals because Arizona opened up as a one-point favorite. That is completely flipped now to the Rams being a three-point favorite. And I absolutely love watching this Cardinals team. They're also just so frustrating to watch because they have all the talent, but they just seem a little bit too young and they haven't put it together. They're not completely disciplined. They shoot themselves in the foot in pretty much every game. You saw it happen with the intentional grounding and taking the safety against the Seahawks. Rookie Isaiah Simmons last week with the late hit on Cam Newton set him up for the victory. And now you're going against a very intelligent coaching staff and team in the Los Angeles Rams with Sean McVay at the helm. So I understand the line movement. This could be a good spot to tease the Cardinals up to about nine, nine and a half. Ideally, you don't want to tease to a whole number, so you tease them plus six and a half to nine and a half. But with the Rams length three, I hate rooting against the Cardinals because my Tyler Murray jersey just came in the other week, and I love watching him, Schmitty. But the Rams are the smarter team here, and I think that's probably the play. There you go. Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago. Burke's best bets. Find him uh, weeknights uh, on Vizen Sports Network and uh, Rush Hour, his show. Danny, be good. Have a great weekend. Thanks for the time. You as well, my man. Talk to you soon. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Good show today. Sure to get the podcast figured out. Can go to different places for it. The Heard at Media Network. Find that, HailVarsity.com. iTunes, give us a review, give us a rating, and uh, give us a follow. And uh, download that. Also, Spotify, Google Play, all places to hear Hail Varsity Radio. Six days a week, weekend edition, of course, and then the Monday through Friday. Damon Barr, Chris Schmidt. Find uh, Damon on Twitter at Damon Barr, two R's, Chris Schmidt, me, at Schmidt underscore radio. Tomorrow's show, we'll run down... Derek Peterson had a great story and sit down with some uh, tremendous centers from Nebraska football. We'll talk O-line play with Husker uh, insider 
Derek Peterson coming up. Uh, Greg Smith, some recruiting. Get his take on the transfer portal, the attrition, and the McKenzie Milton question floating out there after Milton's decision to hit the portal today with Central Florida. Brad of Fairbury, Bill Dolman tomorrow. And uh, more of your thoughts as we gear up for Purdue. So, Grant Wistrom was today, Gary Barnett today, Brandon Vogel today, and uh, Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago. So, we bring in Damon Barr, and I'm always anxious to hear Damon's Thursday dinner plans. Takeout, home cooking, what's the story tonight? Uh, Well, we hit the Indian food yesterday, so today uh, just soup, sandwiches, and a little bit of uh, Netflix. Aha! What are we? Uh, what are we watching on Netflix? Well, my my girlfriend back when Stranger Things came out, she never watched it, so I've been binging that with her, and we're about to start the third season tonight. See, I saw season one, and I got into two, but I didn't make it through two. It's long. It's it's stressful to watch, man. It it takes a toll on you. I just wrapped up uh, season four of Fargo. That, okay, that finished. That was good with Chris Rock. Uh, I'm there. I'm watching Big Sky. That's a pretty decent show. It's creepy and weird, but, you know, it is what it is on uh, ABC. So I've been doing that. And, you know, my wife is just continuing, continually looping through uh, S Creek. She loves that show. I get a kick out of that show. But she she's watched that as many times as I've watched Peaky Blinders, right? I mean, it just, it's on. Junior will have to uh, figure out the the DVD button and how to work that since the office is now leaving Netflix. He will not shake me down to pay for Peacock. Unless there's something I just can't live without on there. I'll have to investigate that. Caller 4, right now, a $25 gift card to Jet Splash. $25 gift card, Jet Splash, yours. Caller uh, caller four right now, 466-3776-800-825-5865. Numbers to get in. And uh, caller four takes home the Jet Splash Car Wash gift card. All yours. Uh, I I pray that you don't need it to clean off slush and salt and ice this winter, but you probably will. So, Collar 4, uh, Jet Splash Car Wash Certificate, $25 can be yours. We'll give another one away tomorrow. Thanks to everyone who checked in today. Grant Wistrom, Gary Barnett, Brandon Vogel, Danny Burke, and back at you tomorrow. Nebraska-Purdue, Hale Varsity. We're presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Have a good Thursday.